0: This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, church. My name's Justin. I'm on staff here at Bridgeway and excited to be a part of this series called Pure Gold. Uh, If you were here with us last week, then you got to witness Pastor Ron just bring an amazing introduction to this series by talking about James 3.16 and the story of King Eglon and Ehud. And if you have not seen that or heard it, then I encourage you to go back and listen to it because Pastor Ron does an amazing job of, of showing this deep connection between that passage... And one of the most recognizable passages in all of Scripture, John 3.16. And that's what we're doing in the midst of this series is we're looking at some of the other 3.16s of the Bible, if you will, and seeing how they connect back to and support John 3.16, which says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. And so again, we, I get to do that this morning, is I get to be a part of bringing another 316 to you, church. And last week, uh, Ron used an example uh, when he was talking about how John 316 has truly permeated our culture, that it's a part uh, of our culture in a multitude of different ways, even ways that we don't realize. And one of the examples he brought to the table was this little-known football player named Tim Tebow. And how Tim Tebow, back when he was in college at Florida, started writing John 316 in his eye black before his games so that he essentially was playing in his football games with John 316 just written across his face. And yet I want to bring this back up because I want to take this a step further. Because you may or may not know that Tim Tebow and this connection with John 316 goes even deeper than that. And so I want to give you an example of this by bringing up one of the games that he played in that just, man, it blew people's minds with some of the numbers that he was involved in. Interestingly enough, uh, this connection runs deep. And so we're going to go back to 2012 when Tim, Tim Tebow was quarterback for the Denver Broncos and they were playing my Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the playoffs, And what ensued was just kind of mind-blowing when it comes to Tim Tebow and this John 316 connection because here's what happened. The Broncos miraculously won against my Steelers in overtime, but part of that game was super interesting. Here's what happened. Tim Tebow, for that game, during that game, he threw for 316 yards. Not only did he throw for 316 yards, Uh, But he actually had a pass completion of 31.6 yards per connection. Meaning this, if you take all the throws that he completed and put the average together of how many yards per throw he connected on, it was 31.6. On top of that, if you look at the viewership of that game, the viewership was 31.6% meaning this, that of all the TVs that were on that night watching something, 31.6% of people with their TVs on were watching the Broncos beat the Steelers that night. On top of that, a pivotal interception that happened in the game that led to a Denver Broncos field goal, well, it happened on a third and 16, third down, 16 yards to go. Check this out. I even heard this. I even heard that Tim Tebow does 316 pushups Every third hour and sixteenth minute on March sixteenth every year, OK, I made that up. But <laughs> the rest of that story is indeed true. All of those stats with Three one six all happened during that game, and it, it's crazy to me because John three sixteen certainly has shown up across the board in our culture, even if we don't realize it or recognize it. As a matter of fact. It's printed on the inside bottom rim of of every cup at everybody's favorite West Coast fast food joint called In-N-Out Burger. Anybody ever been to In-N-Out Burger? That's a big deal in California, right? On top of that, uh, the, the clothing store Forever 21 that you find in a lot of malls, has John 3.16 printed on the bottom of every one of their shopping bags, their yellow shopping bags that you can get at the store. And so a lot of us, you may not have even known that, right? Because John 3.16, it really has. It's, it's taken hold of our culture in one way or one form or another as the most recognizable passage in all of Scripture. And so this morning, we get to dive back in to another 3.16 in the Bible, And I want to give you that passage right off the bat. And so here here it is. We're going to open up to the first gospel. We're going to open up to the gospel of Matthew. It's the first gospel in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're opening up to Matthew. And so if you have Bibles in front of you, by all means, open them up. Find Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to start with verse 13 and go all the way to verse 17. So Matthew 3, 13 to 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screens behind me as well. Matthew 3, 13 to 17, and it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied and said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness, then John consented, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, there's... there's a few things that I love about this passage. There's more than a few things, but there's a few things that I want to hone in on this morning that I love about this passage. You see, to me, this passage is a reminder that Jesus is the perfect example. That, that not only did, did God give the world Jesus as a humble savior and sacrifice, but that he gave the world Jesus as a model. That throughout his life, Jesus is modeling for us what it looks like to live a life full of faith, discipline, and action when it comes to pursuing God and all that it entails. And so every word, every action, every interaction, every characteristic of Jesus is a big deal and is an example for all of us. All of it is an example for all of us because Jesus is the perfect model. And church, that's what's mind-blowing to me, is that through this perfect image of God, known as Jesus, Jesus's humility is constant. And in this case, in this passage, he insists that he's not above being baptized by John. And so the Son of God, the Messiah himself, insists that he must step into baptism as a model of what pursuing God looks like once you've already made a decision for salvation. And so I gotta I, I say this next part, not as a guilt trip, but as biblical truth and reality. That if you've already made the decision, a decision for salvation, and you're wondering what the next step is, here it is. It's baptism. Whether you made a decision for Jesus yesterday or 20 years ago, baptism is a step of faith that Jesus Himself, the Son of God Himself, knew was important. And, and it's a decision that He boldly yet humbly stepped into. Not because He had to, He is the Son of God after all, but because Jesus chose to. And it's the same for us. Maybe maybe you're sitting out there this morning and you know that you've hemmed and you've hawed over the thought of finally getting baptized because of this reason or that reason. I want to challenge you this morning to look at it differently, to look at baptism differently. Because baptism isn't a have to, it's a get to. Instead of viewing baptism as a hurdle, I believe we should view it as what it is. A public declaration of your faith that professes Jesus is Lord, and I'm not ashamed to follow him with my life. In fact, I'm making it public that this is who I am Christ in me because Jesus changed me. If that's you this morning, I encourage you be a part of our baptism opportunity that we have coming up in the fall. And I say that, church, I don't say that to sell you on anything. I say that because I believe some of you need to know that the opportunity is here and we want to simply celebrate Jesus' role in your life with you, with our church. You know, maybe you're sitting out there and, and you've been waiting. You've been waiting for the perfect moment and yet Jesus says, come as you are. You see, everything doesn't need to be wrapped up into this perfect bow in your life to get baptized. You see, that's, that's not what baptism is about. If you're waiting for the right time to be baptized, the time may never be right. Maybe the time is now. But here's the deal, though. I want you to hear this right off the top. Because some of you maybe have already heard what I have started talking about. And you're like, ah, this doesn't pertain to me. I'm going to check out. I believe this this message isn't just for people who haven't been baptized there's more going on in this passage than even just the baptism itself. One of the most interesting aspects of this passage to me is the fact that John tries to deter Jesus. It says it right in the in the text. John tries to deter Jesus now he does so in humility, right like he says like he he goes to Jesus and essentially says like hey i I'm not worthy of baptizing you. He does it in that type of way, and yet nonetheless, he does. He tries to convince Jesus that it should be the other way around. That maybe Jesus has it backwards, and yet Jesus insists that he must do this, that he must get baptized himself as the Son of God to fulfill all righteousness. And so the Greek word for baptize is baptizo. And baptizo means this. It means immersed, fully covered, completely and wholly immersed. For Jesus himself was fully immersed with God, but he also was fully immersed with humanity. And I believe this passage in Matthew is a perfect example of that that though he was fully God, he was also fully human. And so Jesus is fully immersed with humanity, which begs the question this morning of this, are we fully immersed with Jesus? Jesus is fully immersed with humanity, but are we fully immersed with him? In our daily lives, are we fully immersed with the Savior? The one and only son whom God gave to the world that he loves. You know, personally, when, when I read this passage in Matthew, I can't help but think of my own first baptism. My own story of my first baptism. And when I say that, I don't mean that I've been baptized a whole bunch of times and I'm, I'm recalling the very first time that I personally was baptized. What I mean when I say that is that I'm remembering and thinking back to the first time I performed someone else's baptism as a pastor. And so when I think back to that, I, I remember it, I, was at, I was on staff at a previous church, and, and I remember this first time I was going to be able to baptize somebody as a pastor. I, I met with her about a month before the baptism, and, and it was this little older lady in her 70s, and, and she was great. But I remember that a part of our conversation should have thrown up a, maybe a little bit of a red flag in my mind and at least cued me in on the fact that maybe my first baptism was going to be really interesting. Because I remember her asking me at one point during our conversation, hey, do you think it's possible that during my baptism we can do it in a way where my hair doesn't get wet? And, and I, you got to know this church is that the way we did b- baptism at this church I was on staff at, it was, it was the same way we do it here at Bridgeway, where we essentially have this baptismal or, or this tub where we fully dunk the person down in underneath the water. They go beneath the surface, and then we pull them back up, out. And so I'm thinking as she asks me this question, I'm like, I don't know that that's possible, and so I tell her, I'm like, listen, I, I understand your question, but with how we do baptism here, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to make that work for you to not get your hair wet during your baptism. And she, I'll never forget what she responded with. She looked back at me and she said, you know what? Don't worry. I'll take care of it. And I thought to myself, you'll take care of it? Like, what does that mean? Like, you'll take care of it, like, mentally, you'll prepare the day before to have your hair be wet, and that's how you'll take care of it. I wasn't sure what she meant by that, but I I thought, you know what, I'll just let it go. Fast forward to the, the day of the service, the baptism service, where I'm going to baptize her, and lo and behold, the moment comes where we call out her name, and she steps forward and comes up to the baptismal, and she's wearing a shower cap, She's wearing a shower cap to protect her hair from getting wet. And I thought, this is kind of humorous. But you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to say anything like, hey, she's still getting dunked. She's going under the water. Come back. Who knows if that shower cap's still going to be on when I bring her back up. But we're going to try it because I know that it's still going to be great. It's still going to be awesome as long as she just remembers one key detail, and that's to keep her arms crossed for me, to give me a bit of, of a foundation, a bit of a of a, a spot to grab so that I can dunk her under and then with her arms help pull her back up. Everything's gonna be fine and dandy so she she comes up to the baptismal I help her up we get I help her into the the tub she sits down right where she's supposed to I ask her a few questions and she says yes I believe Jesus is the Son of God and I believe in him and I'm ready to be baptized and so I bat I get ready I say my thing I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and as I reach down and I grab that her, her arms to help lower her into the tub she does something that I'll never forget one of those arms breaks free And she grabs the side of the tub with this kung fu over my dead body type of grip. And she stares back into my eyes. And in that moment, I realized that my first baptism was about to become a battle of wills. (laughs) She had this look in her eyes that told me, you're not putting me under. (laughs) And so I, I go, wow, God, this is quite the first experience you've got for me. And so I try to baptize her. And as I go to take her under, she's holding on for dear life. And so it's a bit of a struggle. And I'm trying to do it in a way that looks like I'm not trying to murder my grandmother. And I finally get her to the place in the baptismal where just her face is above the, the surface of the water and she's staring at me like, don't you do it. And I feel like I've got her good enough. I'm like, in this moment, do I splash water onto her face? I don't know how that, does this count, Lord? <laughs> and I feel like i has got her good enough and I bring her back up and the whole church just erupts in, in praise and celebration and yeah, everybody's cheering for her. And she looks at me like, You and I are enemies. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, did I just baptize a person who didn't want to be baptized? Because that's what it certainly felt like. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you that I don't think this story could be any more perfect for you as the listeners. Unless I I had a picture to prove it. Because, gosh, it's kind of unbelievable. But yet... What do you know, I do, and look at this, there's the kung fu grip, there's the shower cap, her feet are up into the air, and somehow I'm smiling through it all, as if I knew that there were pictures being taken, and so I show you this, not to condemn this lady, she was awesome, we had great conversation before and after, it just made for a really interesting first baptism for me. But I show you this picture because when I think about this story and I look back at this, I sit there and I go, isn't that just like me? And when I say that, I don't mean the actual me in the picture, but I mean her. Isn't that just like me? Isn't that us? That Jesus desires us to be all in with him, to be all in on him, and yet we're holding pieces of ourselves back that there's parts of us that are, that are still holding on to the way that it was before we met Jesus, the way that we were before we met Jesus, and we're holding on for dear life because we know that it's a process to trust. And sometimes as humans, we're slow to do so. We're slow to trust. We're reluctant to give all of ourselves over to Jesus because we can be slow to trust Maybe you even feel this morning like you've been burned before when you trusted Jesus. And so this time you're going to hold on to that part and you're not going to let go. But Jesus, I love this about Jesus, Jesus isn't asking for just a part of us. He's not asking for just one part. He wants it all. And some of us have been holding on for dear life Holding on to things like our finances or or a relationship or an addiction or a career or a mistake or a decision or a grudge. And we're holding on like, you know what, God, you can have 90% of me, Jesus, when when it comes to us. But no, 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 no. You can't have that part of me. I'm not giving that over to you. Because that's for me to figure out. That's for me to handle. That's for me to deal with on my own. That's not something I'm willing to talk about even though it eats away at my brain. That's something I'm not proud of. You know what? That's mine. It's not yours, Jesus. And I'm going to keep it that way. Church, do we try to deter Jesus because we think we know a better way? Do we try to deter deter Jesus because we have guilt and shame? Do we try to deter Jesus because we're not willing to let go? All the meanwhile, Jesus is sitting there and saying, I want that too. I want that part of your life as well. And I need you to trust me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, to be a Christian is to be Christ-like, meaning that even though we are not Jesus, and we can never be Jesus, we are striving to be like him. And if we're not striving to be Christ-like, then what are we striving to be? And if we're not striving to be Christ-like in all areas of our life, then what do those areas allow us to become? Is it more like Jesus? Or, or is it something further and further away from him? You see, God didn't give us his one and only son so that we could follow him with the convenient parts of our lives only. He gave us his one and only son because he knew that we needed all of him and that we would need to give all of ourselves back. See, I believe it's key to reflect on this because I know that I personally I don't want to leave anything on the table when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. I don't want to, I I don't want there to be any stone unturned in my life. And if that's the case, then that means sacrifice. Uh, See, I've got to be willing to allow my life to be washed over in the name of the Father, to be washed over in the name of the Son, and to be washed over in the name of the Holy Spirit. Because church, that's what Christianity looks like. It's denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Jesus every day, even when it's ugly and even when it's difficult. So I'll be the first this morning, I'll be the first to raise my hand and admit that I am not perfect at this. I'm not. And yet I know that's why I need Jesus so badly. That's why we need Jesus so badly. And so church, together this morning as, as the worship team comes forward and gets ready to lead us in a little bit more worship together, I want to do this. I, I want us to get a little bit vulnerable and I want us to ask ourselves a few questions as we reflect on this, on this passage and on this idea. And the first question that I believe we can ask ourselves is this, what's stopping you from giving all of yourself to God. What's stopping you from giving all of yourself to God? Whether it's baptism or anything else we've talked about this morning, what's got you holding on for dear life instead of trusting the arms of the creator? There's gotta be a reason that you haven't let go yet. Is it fear? Is it distrust? Is it anger? What's your reason What's stopping you from giving all of yourselves to God, all of ourselves to God? And then once we've asked ourselves that question, I think we can move into a second question, which is this. What is it? What is that specific thing that you're holding on to? What's holding you back from a life fully embracing the power of Jesus and fully immersed in who he is? What's something that you're holding on to that you weren't meant to keep that Jesus is more than capable of carrying for you? Is it something that's, is something that's had a hold of you for a long time? Is it something that's had its hooks in you for a long time? Is it something that's happened more recently and because it's recent, it's raw? Recognize what it is, call it out. Don't back further away from it, own it. What is that specific thing you're holding on to? And then lastly, I believe we can ask ourselves this question. Are you willing to let go? Are you willing to let it go and let God handle it? If we are to become fully immersed with Jesus, then we have got to relent when it comes to this. We've got to surrender this at the throne of the King and know that he's got a much better plan for it than we ever could. Because Jesus was, he was given to this world to take on the weight of this sin the weight of the world's sin for us. He bore all of that on the cross. And so whatever your thing is that you're holding on to, he can bear that as well. And when we find ourselves in the positions of doing so, of letting go and trusting God with it, then we can simply celebrate and be thankful. Thankful, church, that God sent his one and only son, That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I don't know about you guys, but I know there's been moments in my life where I've held on to this thing. And I think that because I'm holding on to it and then I'm keeping it private, that it keeps me safe. It keeps me safe from being vulnerable, from being overly sensitive from opening myself up to more hurt. I think that I can do it, that I got this. I'm gonna plant my hand on the side of the tub and I'm gonna keep myself from going fully under. And yet Jesus, Christ calls us to be fully immersed, to be fully immersed in who he is. He's fully immersed in who we are. And so church, I think this morning, I believe that there's no better way to wrap up this this time of of reflection together than than to read the latter part of our passage one more time together. And so I'm gonna read Matthew 3, the last two verses that we, we talked about that we discussed, verses 16 and 17, and they say this. As soon, as soon as Jesus was baptized, as soon as Jesus was fully immersed, as soon as Jesus was baptized he went up out of the water and at that moment heaven was opened and jesus saw the spirit of god descending on him descending like a dove alighting on him and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom i love with him i'm well pleased Church, let's go to him in prayer before we worship a little bit more together. And so God, this morning, I I go to you in recognizing this, that you call us to be fully immersed in you. God, you call us to not just give over one part, the comfortable part that's easy to give over to you, but God, you call us to be fully immersed in a way where we give the stuff over that's hard We give over the stuff that's difficult. We give over the stuff that we've been holding on to for years. God, my prayer this morning is that if there's people in here, if there's someone in here who knows they're holding on to something, grasping onto it tightly, and that it's something that's just been causing them to, to maybe fall further from you or to, or to fall into different things in their life like, like depression or anxiety or worry or fear, God, my prayer this morning is that we recognize you're so much bigger than those things. You're so much greater than those things. God, you call us to live a life where our arms are just open, our palms are just open, and we say, you know what, God, I I believe following you looks like being able to open up my hand and say, you know what, I'm willing to let you take this from me. Oh, God, would you take it from us? My prayer this morning is that if, if there's anybody in the room this morning that knows that they've got that, they've got that thing that they're holding on to, that they would just be able to, as they're sitting in their seats, just kind of put their hands out on their laps and open up their palms to you, God. God, as we do that, would you just be so faithful as I know you will to just take that from us. And God, when you do, there's there's no more weight that we have to carry. But God, we we get to celebrate in the truth of you being the king that carries everything for us. You went to the cross for us. And God, that's that's a truth that we can celebrate and be thankful for. And so God, that's my prayer this morning is that as we do that, as we open up our palms and say, God, I'm willing to relent. I'm not gonna deter you any longer, but I'm gonna open up my life for you to just come in and do what you're going to do in my life in and through me. God, as we do that, I pray that we're able to celebrate this morning we're able to celebrate you. I'm grateful, God, we're grateful for who you are. And I'm grateful that you gave your one and only son for this entire world. And so Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the ways you love us. So God, I just pray that we're able to, to stand up in confidence this morning and continue to worship the name of Jesus in all the confidence and all the bravery that you've created us to have in you. And I pray all these things in the great and glorious and holy name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or our website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the sermon discussion guide.